are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock, back with you on another Victory Monday, this one sending your San Francisco 49ers to the NFC Championship game, and we now know who their opponent will be. It will be the Green Bay Packers visiting Levi Stadium for the second time this year after they knocked off the Seattle Seahawks Sunday evening. 27-10, the 49ers over the Vikings will get into the game notes and give out some game balls on today's show. You can find this show at LockedOn49ers.com and all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Get those Twitter Tuesday questions warmed up for me at BDPeacock, or you can email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Pure domination by the 49ers Saturday over the Minnesota Vikings. 27-10, and it wasn't even as close as that score would make you believe. They ran the ball 47 times. The 49ers just ran it right down the Vikings' throat, and there was nothing they could do. That's one of the most dominating performances I've seen in a while. They've had better scores, but the Vikings literally had one highlight in the entire game, and almost every other snap was won by the 49ers. Let's start with the ground game, and defensively, the Niners came to play and handled Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook averaged two yards per carry on the ground in that game. And if you listen to Friday's show and I had my keys to victory for the 49ers, stopping Dalvin Cook was going to be one of them. And with how banged up and sick their wide receivers were going to be in the pass rush, getting after Kirk Cousins as it did, I thought, you know, it's Dalvin Cook. That's the key to the game because that's where they're going to try to go early in the game, try to get that working and then work some play action off of it. And then potentially... Kirk Cousins could go to work and find those wide receivers, but it just, they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it going aside from one drive and one 40-yard touchdown pass to Diggs, but Dalvin Cook just could not get it going on the ground. And it started from the first series, and it was pretty predictable. Run, run, pass by the Vikings and a quick three and out. The 49ers front was just everywhere. They were just bigger, stronger, faster. Dalvin Cook had nowhere to go, and the 49ers linemen, linebackers were just running him down. It looked almost too easy, and Dalvin Cook's really good, and he's run for 1,200 yards this year for a reason. He's good, and and the Vikings are usually pretty good at running the football. Even when the Vikings decided to go to the screen game because they were obviously having trouble running the ball, that didn't really work out much better. They did get a field goal on a drive where they went heavily to the screen, but it was pretty much over at that point. Then they had to abandon the run, obviously, in the second half because they were trying to play comeback against the 49ers, and then it was a sack party by that 49ers defensive line getting after Kirk Cousins, so it was the perfect game script you wanted for the 49ers to beat those Minnesota Vikings. And oddly enough, as reported by Mary Kay Cabot, the Cleveland Browns head coaching job came down to two candidates. It was 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala and Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. And they said they hadn't made their decision prior to Saturday's game. So naturally, after the game, they hired Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Not 
Robert Sala, which is pretty mind-blowing that they had not made the decision yet, watched that game, hired the Vikings coach, and not Robert Sala. But hey, that's great for the 49ers. They get to return their entire coaching staff unless somehow a new uh, head coach job opens up in the NFL and someone gets fired this week. Someone like, say, Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans, potentially. But it looks like right now, Robert Sala's coming back. The 49ers won't lose their run and pass game coordinators in Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur, I'm sorry, and uh, Mike McDaniels. Matt LaFleur, his brother, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, who the 49ers will see next weekend. The whole family will be in the building at Levi's Stadium there. And it also means the 49ers won't lose assistant GM Adam Peters, most likely, because Peters was the the guy, and not surprising at all if you listen to this show, he's the guy that thought that Robert Sala would choose to be his GM if he did go to Cleveland, so that won't happen either. And, man, I'm surprised because as, and we'll get back to the game notes in a second, but as Kyle Shanahan talked about last week, Robert Sala is going to be a head coach in this league sooner or later, and now it's going to be a little bit later, and I imagine this 49ers defense is going to remain pretty good next year, so Robert Sala will get some interviews again, and who knows, maybe it's a bonus for Sala, and he'll get a better job than than going to the Cleveland Browns, who seem to just be cursed in a way to, to not be able to turn that thing around, even though they've got a much more talented roster now. But if you are a team hiring a GM, defensive staff, offensive staff, head coach, and Robert Sala is impressive in his interview, and he says he's going to bring in the the guy who was number two in coordinating the San Francisco 49ers offense and coming from that Shanahan tree, and you are going to get the guy who's overseeing a dominant, probably best defense in the NFL right now in the 49ers, and you get their one of their best, if not the best, personnel guy they have because John Lynch hasn't been a true personnel guy, right? And and I think Adam Peters coming along with him really helped. And you can bring all that together to your team. I think that's a pretty good combination of people to bring in to a franchise that already has some nice talent in the Cleveland Browns. And so next offseason, maybe we'll see that same you know, that same group potentially get a job and it'll be the, you know, it would have been the 49ers North and, and who knows, maybe it'll be the 49ers East and, and it'll be a different team. We'll see what coaching jobs come available and there will be some in 2021. But right now, man, the 49ers, an NFC championship team, one of the best teams in the NFL and they have the opportunity to bring everybody back. That's pretty rare in this league. So that's, that's a huge boost, I think, for the 49ers. Uh, back to... The football game. Talking about the running game of the Vikings that was completely snuffed out by the 49ers. The Niners' pass defense might have been even better aside from one very small hiccup. And this is one of the things I liked from Robert Sala. And one of the things I've been impressed about Sala in 2019 that made him a better coach than he was in maybe 2017 and 2018. A, he had better talent, uh, was able to get his scheme going for the third straight year. But speaking of that scheme, he he changed it. He brought in a couple of different position coaches, namely Kasarik and Joe Woods. By the way, I called him Al Woods in the last podcast. Joe Woods, defensive backs coach for the 49ers, great hires. And they haven't been as strict in that cover three. And 
a little bit more man, a little bit more interchangeable safeties. And I think that's just a nuanced change, but Robert Sala recognizing that, making that change, making the defense better. And in this game, recognizing that, you know, Akella Witherspoon's your guy. You came into the season with your starting cornerback. You wanted to give him the shot. He gave up the 40-yard touchdown, the 41-yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. Maybe, look, you know, he had the P.I. call, maybe a little bit ticky-tack and questionable before that, but maybe not looking as aggressive, as confident as you hope. And after a couple series, after that touchdown, you make the quick hook, make the change. You have a guy as good as Emmanuel Mosley, as good as he's played this year. You have him ready. Make the switch quick, and they did. And it was lights out for the Vikings after that. And I'm not going to say that Akel Witherspoon was going to continue to give up touchdown after touchdown, and they would have lost the game if they didn't make that switch. But he recognized it. He made a quick switch. So Robert Sala being nimble as a coach and knowing when he needs to change things is I think been one of the most impressive things about him this year. And you knew the Vikings were going to attack that side of the field, and it happened on that second drive. The questionable P.I. call, the 41-yard touchdown to Diggs, and Mosley was playing confident when he got in that game, playing physical. He made some of his best plays as a tackler, and apparently after the game, something I didn't know about Mosley, his favorite player growing up was Sean Taylor, and he, he 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 thinks of himself as a safety that plays corner. And you saw that. He plays physical. And, and I, I've always liked the confidence he plays with and the physicality that Emmanuel Mosley plays with. And I'd be blown away if he doesn't take every snap the rest of the way and probably going into next year as the starting right cornerback. A lot more to get into with this game. We'll do plenty of looking ahead to the Green Bay Packers throughout the rest of the week. And of course... Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Packers, will be joining me again for another 49ers-Packers crossover. I think that'll be an interesting conversation. I know how much you guys enjoyed that the first time and let Peter know about that on Twitter. More game notes coming up on this program, including that pass rush and rookie phenom Nick Bosa. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. And boy, do I need it. I think it's time to get a bike in the Peacock household. Already needed it, and then you get the holiday weight on. It's ridiculous, man. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with the daily live and on-demand studio classes, right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn more about their limited time free Apple iPad exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. 
Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Oh, and by the way, Diggs only caught one other pass in that game. Loved the play with Mosley in coverage. It looked like Diggs was going to come down with a long reception, but Jimmy Ward ranging over from the center of the field, making a big hit on Diggs, knocking that ball away. Everybody came to play on that 49ers defense. The Richard Sherman interception that I haven't even mentioned where he ran the curl route for Thielen, and Thielen was so locked up on that play, he kind of gave up on it. He's like, no way he's going to throw me this pass. I'm locked down. And Cousins still tried to fit it in there, thinking that he was going to have a a little bit of a window to throw that. But Thielen quit on his route, and Richard Sherman did not quit on his route, ran it for him, and ended up with the interception. And what about that pass rush? Eric Armstead got it started for the 49ers with a sack in the second quarter, and then the floodgates opened as the Vikings pretty much had to abandon the run because they had to try to come back on the 49ers, and the Niners were crushing their ground game that I talked about earlier. D. Ford, a big third down sack lined up between Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner. So they you don't really see that a lot from D. Ford lining up in the interior, which I loved. And man, they were really beating Pat Elfline. He had a a 9.5, that's out of 100, a 9.5 pass blocking grade, according to Pro Football Focus. But that forced the field goal attempt, and that ended uh, the only other scoring drive of the game besides the Diggs 41-yard touchdown catch and run. Then in the fourth quarter, Niners poured it on. Probably the best moment of the game was Nick Bosa's sack, lined up at left end on a third and eight. Then Bosa lies on the ground, and Levi Stadium got pretty quiet, seeing Bosa look like he was in some pain laying on the ground. Then the chant started. Bosa, Bosa. And Bosa heard it. And he said, once he heard that, he had to jump up. And it was he was just trying to catch his breath, and he got the wind knocked out of him. Thought maybe he got hit below the belt or something like that. It was one of those things. And then he jumped up when he heard that chant. He's like, I got to jump up now. It was almost like a, a, a WWE move, The Undertaker, coming back from the dead, showing the crowd he's still alive. He was super pumped up. Then Levi's Stadium goes nuts. The sideline went nuts. Robert Sala jacked up. And that was, uh, I mean, that was just awesome. That was probably the moment of the game for me. I'm just laughing, watching the 49ers dominate, have fun, and watching the theatrics of Nick Bosa, who's been such an awesome uh, piece for this 49ers defense as a rookie. DeForest 
Buckner joining the party later in the fourth quarter. Salma Thomas and Anthony Zettel getting in on the action on Kirk Cousins in the fourth quarter. And then Nick Bosa finishes Cousins off and pretty much... The Minnesota Vikings were finished off and sealed the game with the 49ers' sixth sack of the game. And the defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa. There's no other choice for defensive rookie of the year other than Nick Bosa in the NFL this year. He finished with those two sacks, six tackles, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. He had a pass breakup. And according to ESPN and NFL Next Gen Stats, Bosa recorded a pass rush win rate of 41%. His best pass rush win rate game of the season. And this is also why Pro Football Focus has graded Nick Bosa so well this season. Even when the sacks aren't there, he's pressuring opposing offenses and pressuring quarterbacks. And in this game, he got home with the two sacks to go along with all the other pressures as well. And he was the only one pressuring Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was pressured on nearly 50% of his sack, of his uh, dropbacks in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo only completed 11 passes Saturday against the Vikings. He was 11 of 19 for 131 yards, one touchdown to Kendrick Bourne, and the interception to Eric Hendricks. And it's because they stopped throwing the ball. They literally stopped throwing the football in the third in the third quarter. There was a, a screen and a shovel pass, and that was it. 47 rushes by the 49ers offense. That's how you know things are going good for your football team. Matt Breida getting the start. The quote, I'm doing air quotes right now. The start for the 49ers, a two-yard run on the Niners' first play of the game. And it's hilarious because Kyle Shanahan has to be getting tired of getting the questions about starting Tevin Coleman. So he throws Matt Breed out there on the first play, then immediately inserts Coleman back in the game, who played the rest of the drive and who dominated the snaps and the touches at running back for the 49ers in that game. But Matt Breed getting credit for the start this week. Um, Raheem Mostert would end, uh, enter the game on the second drive, and, and he was in there for a, a good amount of plays. Mostert and Tevin Coleman actually both averaging exactly 4.8 yards per carry. Raheem Mostert carried the ball 12 times compared to Tevin Coleman's 22 rushes. And poor Matt Breida with the fumble too. So not only was he phased out and only touched the ball a couple of times after getting the start, he had another fumble. Man, and that's just going to really hurt his chances of, of seeing the field and <laughs> seeing the field a lot in the rest of the way for the 49ers. I kind of feel bad for Brita. It's a it's a bummer. And I thought he was going to get one going. He actually converted the fourth down. It was fourth and one on his, and then he fumbled the ball back after uh, after converting the fourth down play. I think Tevin Coleman clearly listens to this podcast. I've been talking about how he shouldn't be starting and shouldn't be getting most of the carries, and they should be going to Mostert and even Matt Breida. Breida's out of the equation. He's he's going to join. I think Matt Breida's going to join. They're going to have to have a club on the sideline at the end of the bench. It's going to be Matt Breida and Akella Witherspoon joining Dante Pettis, and the, those guys just are not going to see the field much. And It's unfortunate for Breida with the fumble, but um, I, I mean, he'll get another chance. It's running back. They got to filter all those guys in there at running back. And if he's only the, there's only three running backs up on game day, he's going to have to see the field. It's not like wide receiver or especially not like corner. 
Devin Coleman, 22 carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns, playing angry. A really cool story about Tevin Coleman's upbringing. Something I didn't know that he was born three months premature. He was only born at three pounds. Doctors gave him a 20% chance of even surviving. That's crazy. I didn't know that about Tevin Coleman. And he was talking about how he's... Tevin Coleman, by the way, is an impressive guy. Uh, the, and that's really something that is consistent throughout the 49ers roster. Like, they've got a high-character roster. These guys are self-motivated. They're tough. They're smart. They come to play. You don't have to worry about them folding under pressure. So props. John Lynch, Adam Peters, Mayhew, all the guys up top. Kyle Shanahan has a big hand in that. High-character players that they put together on this roster. And tough players. And you're seeing the fruits of that on the field right now for the 49ers. 47 running attempts for the 49ers just ran the Vikings off of the field, straight through their chest, ripped out their souls. 19 of those 47 runs went for five yards or more, but along of just 11, Coleman had an 11-yard run, Mostert had a 10-yard run, so that was just consistently they were getting five yards, five yards, five yards. It was crazy. And obviously that's up front. That starts up front. So the offensive line, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, you can't just line up and beat the heck out of a 10-win playoff team in the divisional round of the playoffs and literally run it eight straight times on one drive and put it in the end zone unless your offensive line is kicking people's asses. And they were. That third quarter drive following the Richard Sherman interception, the we are going to beat you because we're better than you drive, like that was ball game halfway through the third quarter. 44 yards on eight plays, all runs. And they pretty much stopped throwing the ball at that point. They mixed in a couple of things, but it was all on the ground from there. That one drive, four-yard run, six yards, six yards, seven yards, four yards, four yards, 11 yards, and then the two-yard touchdown plunge from Tevin Coleman. A couple of notes to come on the 49ers passing game, and we'll give out some game balls next. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League Spring Training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. And I can attest to it, going to spring training is awesome for any baseball fan. It's just a fun vacation, fun place to get away, great food. You'll rub elbows with baseball people and broadcasters, and it's just a really cool time. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, 75-degree temperatures, all 10 stadiums in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Meet the players, get autographs before games, Check out the upcoming prospects. One of my favorite things to do, go prospecting. Find out who the next Major League stars are going to be. Amazing restaurants, tons of bars, craft breweries. Of course, tons of outdoor adventures and hiking, biking. And you can even check off some must-see destinations from your bucket list, like the Grand Canyon. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. Family-friendly resorts and hotels offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages. Horseback rides to games, activities, wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. 
Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. All Kendrick Bourne does is catch touchdowns. It's crazy. Kendrick Bourne's efficiency as a red zone receiver is just wild. It's one of the weirdest developments the 49ers have had this year. And I, I don't know if it's a small sample and something that's going to uh, at some point regressed, but it's very strange. And out of the gate, Garoppolo, his first playoff game, his first playoff drive, not a problem. Five of six, 57 yards, ending it with that Kendrick Bourne touchdown, giving the 49ers a quick 7 nothing lead in the first quarter. He hit Debo, Sanders, Kittle, and Bourne all in that drive, so mixing the ball around. The one worry in that game for the 49ers, there was the long digs touchdown. They they fixed that up very quickly in the secondary. Then Daniel Hunter, who is a problem, and he is such a monster coming off the edge. He hit Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of times. He got a sack. Garoppolo nearly threw an interception to Eric Kendricks, targeting George Kittle. Kendricks completely jumping that route underneath. I thought that's something. His over-aggressiveness, they could have taken advantage of at some point in the game. Kendricks would eventually intercept Jimmy Garoppolo on uh, a Debo Samuel dig route. And Kendrick's just reading his eyes all the way, dropping deep back into uh, that dig route. And Garoppolo's got to either throw a pump fake at Kendrick's, recognize he's right there. He just stared him down and and uh, and threw a late first half interception that was pretty big for the Vikings to try to keep them in that game. But uh, But it ended up not mattering. It was up and down early for Kendrick Bourne. He has the touchdown, then he has a bad drop, and then he made another great catch later in the game to make up for it. Debo Samuel fumbles on an end around, but it turned out his knee was down, so it didn't matter. Uh, Debo trying to maybe do too much. He was fighting really hard for yards after the catch on, on multiple plays. Almost got burnt with the fumble, but his knee was down before he let go of that ball. And then later, Debo running straight through Xavier Rhodes, trucking him to the one-yard line, setting up one of those Coleman touchdown plunges. So the 49ers did not have to lean on the passing game at all. Like I mentioned earlier, 11 completions for Jimmy Garoppolo, spreading it around, but the receivers did what they needed to do when asked in uh, in very limited action and the Vikings, as advertised, did a pretty good job on George Kittle. Uh, they were able to get some stuff done outside, though, with Debo and Bourne, Sanders on that opening drive, and then, obviously, they went straight to the ground game because that's all they needed to do. And when you can kill a team with five-plus yards per carry on the ground every time you uh, run it, then why do anything else? A couple of games the 49ers have had like that this year where they just own teams on the ground and, and it's ball game at that point especially when the 49ers defense is so good and continually just gives the ball back he can go crush the quarterback on the opposing side that's trying to throw his way back in the game really quick before I give out some game balls here looking at the rest of the playoffs I mean it really couldn't have worked out better for the 49ers it's not going to be easy to beat the Packers and Aaron Rodgers a second time, but you still like that matchup over the Seahawks. The Seahawks have played the 49ers tw tough twice. Round three is just those games could get weird. That could go in any direction. You feel a lot better playing at home against the Packers where you already clobbered them 37-8 to just a couple of months ago in November. 49ers, by the way, did not have D. Ford in that game either and still 
uh, gave Aaron Rodgers and the Packers all they could handle. So that matchup looks good for the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, but you still got to go out there and you still got to handle your business as the Niners did Saturday against the Vikings. And then in the AFC, the 49ers got helped out massively by the Tennessee Titans, the sixth seed in the AFC knocking off the one seed Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens is the one team that uh, you just didn't want to have to see again if you're the 49ers. Obviously lost a really close one to the Ravens. It's not that the 49ers couldn't beat the Baltimore Ravens, but just stylistically with the way they run their offense and Lamar Jackson, the league's MVP this year most likely, that's just a tough matchup for the Niners. Would much rather play uh, a quarterback that's a pocket passer as we saw Saturday how much trouble 49ers can give those types of offenses and they've already done it once to Aaron Rodgers. So championship weekend is set. It's the Packers at the 49ers Sunday, and it is the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs, who had a wild one with the Texans. We'll talk more about all those games on the Locked On NFL program Monday, so go tune into that if you want to hear Matt Williamson and myself get deeper into the rest of the divisional round games. Let's give out some game balls here. For the 49ers, divisional round playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings. We'll start with Nick Bosa. I love the theatrics. The 49ers pass rush was good. A lot of people on the 49ers defense deserve a nod. The interception from Richard Sherman. In fact, you know what? We got to give Richard Sherman a game ball too locking down receivers as he's done, coming up with a big play that led to the 49ers all run, all run all over your face attack that that ensued after that big play. So Nick Bosa, he's going to represent the 49ers pass rush with the game ball. He got the two sacks. He had the theatrics, which was my favorite moment of the game, the way he got up and got everybody excited in Levi's Stadium. Richard Sherman, he gets a game ball for that big interception and just locking guys down, as he's done all year, with some pretty good receivers for the Minnesota Vikings. And, man, it's it's hard to highlight one player for the 49ers running attack, but that has to be highlighted here. And I feel like I just got to give a game ball to everybody. Coleman was great. He and Mostert both averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Coleman getting the goal line carries had the two touchdowns. George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, they didn't fill up the stat sheet, but they were blocking their butts off as was the entire offensive line. And I think you got to credit the offensive line. you got to give game balls there, right? Mike McGlinchey got beat by Danell Hunter. He had the offsides. He had that one rough series, but really pulled it together. And he had his highest pro football focus run-blocking grade of his career, 89.6, I think it was. So Mike McGlinchey doing things in the run game, as was the rest of the offensive line. So you've got to credit them. So I feel like the 49ers run game altogether should get game balls. Tevin Coleman, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, the entire offensive line, run game coordinator, Mike McDaniel, give them all game balls because that was an amazing display of brute force that the 49ers showed Saturday. And that's a sign that we're done here. I'm losing my voice. Uh, My cough that's been going on for like two weeks now does not want to go away. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to come back 
for a Tuesday mailbag program. Hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock. Whatever's on your minds, that's what we'll get into on Tuesday. We've got a Packers 49ers crossover coming up, weekly wink. We got to look deep into this NFC Championship game, keys to victory, all of that coming up this week. Locked on 49ers.